as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six-fold Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot and Graphic Policy. And we've only got one movie for you this week, but uh, it's a movie. <laughs> it's a big one. It's, it's uh, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, pretty much the the original Blade Runner was out came out in the eighties. Uh, it was 80, 82, wasn't it? Eighty two. Yeah, because yep. that was that was on your that was on the panel. That was Comic-Con. on our yeah. We, we did a panel at Comic Con, the class of eighty two. All of the amazing geeky movies that came out in nineteen eighty two. Go search IMDb and and listen to that because it it's is, like every movie you've ever loved yeah, <laughs> came no, out that year. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy list. You've got Blade Runner. You've got the Thing. Then you've got like E.T., The Last Unicorn, Dark Crystal. It's it's just an amazing like set of movies, and uh, yeah. But Blade Runner is one of those, and it's I mean it's a classic. I mean of among like oh, yeah. sci-fi movies, it, that is like the kind of holy grail of heady '80s sci-fi. You got Harrison Ford. You got uh, hunting down robots. Uh, you've got a gritty dystopian future, and uh, it, it, it's it's just a. I, I don't know, Adam. How do you how do you feel about the original Blade Runner? So I actually got into Blade Runner relatively late in life. I picked up the big uh, collector's edition that has like all thirty five versions of the movie <laughs> in it for the for the thirtieth anniversary, and that was the first time I saw it. So I've only recently become accustomed to it. Um, you know, obviously, it's based on the, the the novel "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep" by Philip K. Dick. Uh, there's a bunch of comic books around it, uh, but it, yeah, it does, I mean, to say that it was influential to sci-fi is almost an understatement because between that and Ghost in the Shell, you can pretty much check, you can like see every trope in modern sci-fi for like whole the last Absolutely. 35 years. Yeah, anything um, dealing with with robots, artificial intelligence. A lot of comes out of this, and and the especially the whole like existential question of you know what what makes a consciousness do uh, do artificial intelligences have exactly. souls? What is their what will be their capacity to imagine, to reason, to feel? And uh, you know everything has taken from this Star Trek, uh, you know Star Trek Next Generation, the Matrix, Data, uh, the Matrix. Yeah, I mean any. Yeah, any oh, single the, sci-fi the Matrix movie. just like the yeah. Matrix just like lifted giant portions of this. I mean, right down to the the feel of and and I think one of the interesting things when people look back on Blade Runner, they point out that this was really the first time that the future looked dirty. Mm-hmm. Yep, the it wasn't like a perfect, was, like nice future. It was, it was. Uh, well, guess what? Mankind still sucks. That so we've destroyed the environment and mm-hmm. everything's gross. Exactly. So basically, it's going to be our future. Yeah. So. No, that, I mean, and it's it's funny because the original was supposed to be set in 20, 2019. 2019. Like yep. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have robots, but um, you know, we humanity still sucks, and and that's kind of the uh, the basic premise for where this movie starts. But you know what? One of the things I wanted to do in talking about this movie was not talk about talk it. about <laughs> what happens in this movie uh, I've never had this happen to me in a screening before 
but they read a special note from the director, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. And, okay, public service announcement. That's how you pronounce his name. Yes, exactly. It looks like Villeneuve. Denis Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve, It's like Villa Villa and Nerve, but you drop the R. It's French-Canadian. If you want to... So, we're we're saying go into this as blind as possible. I I saw the first trailer, and that was it. They have some really, really cool little uh, short movies, or short films and anime that was released that you can watch in conjunction with it. Mm -hmm. And the director says his name three times, so (laughs) if you need to know how to pronounce it, there you go. It's there, but But, But what they did was before before our screening... They read a note from him oh, us too, and yeah. said, please do not, when reviewing this movie, do not talk about plot points. Do not talk about what happens in the movie. Do not talk about who is what in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hmm. Because the, the, yeah. the trailers do a really good job of of giving you an idea of what the story's about, but it doesn't yep. explain anything. So there were a, whole, a few like holy crap moments where I didn't, know that was going to happen and thankfully they did a good job marketing it so that you wouldn't see that but yeah then after we had the same thing you did and when we left <laughs> they, they want our, our, our feedback on the movie and then all of a sudden like okay so you can't talk about this 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 and they actually listed like seven things we can't talk about mm-hmm. uh, and then I got two emails later in the day so yeah this this is a movie that you want to go in blind as possible to fully understand and discover for yourself because I, I couldn't imagine going in knowing what I know now because it would just rob the wonder and joy of being able to see this unfold completely ignorant to what's going to happen. And you're, when you're done, don't go out and spoil it on the internet. Go find your friends and tell them you have to see this movie and then take them to go see it. And then go find a coffee shop, uh, a couch in somebody's home somewhere and talk about it for three hours because, man... This is a movie that you can talk about for days. For days. Oh, yeah, there's there, there's so many layers upon layers in this film. I mean, and just not even from the base. So we can tell you the basic plot is that uh, Ryan Gosling is uh, he's works for the LAPD, mm-hmm. and he's essentially as kind of the same role that Harrison Ford was. Uh, he's a Blade Runner, so he's going out and getting rid of rogue re- replicants who uh, who basically you know haven't kind of outlive their purpose and they yep. shouldn't be there anymore and then he discovers some weird things and uh, opens up questions about the past and yep. with Deckard and everything else and so he kind of goes out to figure out what's going on and that's really all I can say because that's all you need to know yep. that's just from the and, you'll, and you'll get that's that from all the trailer, you need to know so. and they if, if you haven't seen the original I mean do yourself a favor and go see it but it, it's also one of those movies that, like, I feel like the original Blade Runner is a movie to be appreciated more than it is to be enjoyed. It's not that I didn't have a good time watching it. I mean, like, Rucker Hauer is just phenomenal and fun in that movie. But he's he's in it, like, not as much. And, uh, but... Mm-hmm. If so, you should go and, and check it out. But if you don't, and you don't have any familiarity with the original Blade Runner, but you're like, I kind of want to go see this, you should go see it anyway because it, it you're not going to miss a whole lot. There's a couple things in here that people will pick up on. Uh, nods to the original, like Edward James almost is back, uh, but but he has he has just as short a cameo as he does in in the first yep. one. Uh, but you know, but he's got he's got a storyline. Uh, 
Um, and Harrison Ford is back as, as Deckard, but not as much as you would think. Don't don't go in thinking uh, this is a Gosling Ford buddy cop movie chasing down replicants. That's not what this is. Um, Ford is in this, I would, I don't know, maybe less than he was in Star Wars The Force Awakens, would you say? Like, um, I would say maybe... Yeah, because I mean, Star Wars: Force Awakens. He was—he definitely had a bigger role. I mean, his role yeah. is very, very important in this movie. I mean, it's oh it, yeah, the story key hinges on him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but this—this uh, this is Gosling's movie, and also Robin Wright, yep. who is absolutely fantastic. She's oh uh, she plays his boss and just does amazing. I mean, there's oh my god, there's so many good people here. You've got I'm saying um, an Oscar nomination for Robin Wright because oh easy and and she will. I mean, she'll be nominated for this. But she'll also kind of be nominated for Wonder Woman because, I mean, everyone, I think everyone saw that and saw how amazing she was and the other amazing work that she's been doing. But yeah, she's great. And I want to come back to her. But yeah, let's let's talk about some of the other amazing people in here, too. So you've got Anna de Armas as Joe, who uh, you kind of kind of like the love interest for for uh, Ryan Gosling's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Sylvia Hoax. I think that's how you say her name as love. She is kind of like works for the bad guy in this one and yep. she's tracking down uh she's trying to solve the mystery, the mystery that's on the opposite side as uh as Ryan Gosling's character. Yeah, and they're kind of she... kind of working at cross purposes yeah. and the same purposes at the same time. It's mm-hmm. very interesting how they're how they intertwine. Yeah, so I mean they're, they're really good. I mean, Jared Leto's in it very very briefly as uh as uh Nandra Wallace and again, some people don't like Jared Leto and I get that because they kind of him as like this douchey singer, but he's a really good actor. I mean, he didn't win the Oscar for nothing, and his role in this, he's is he's very very um oh, what's what I'm looking for douchey douchey, but also res- <laughs> no, he's he's very very restrained though. He, you know, because he can't or actually wants to. I mean, look at the Joker and Suicide Squad, but his purpose there is menacing. It fills his point, and for the five minutes that he's on screen, he owns the the, the scene every single scene he's in. I agree, and I think Villeneuve knows exactly how to use him and because Leto is polarizing he put him in this role where he gets to play tech Jesus douche bro and he's going to be a polarizing character and so if you're bringing in a chip on your shoulder against Jared Leto that's going to work for you if you don't and you like him you are also going to appreciate the amount of menace and um I don't know, not not craziness, but he has kind of gone off the deep end a little bit here. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm saying like tech Jesus douche bro, but like imagine if like Martin Shrikelli, the the pharma bro, like had a god complex and was creating robots. Like <laughs> that's that's what we're talking about, and and you know these guys, you know exactly who these people are, uh, and and he is great in in that. Um, we also get Dave Batista in in here for for just a little bit, and he's great. yeah. Again, it's oh, and every single I mean, all these people are great actors by themselves. But like you know, we know Dave Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy, and you can tell he's having as Drax, he's just having a complete blast. But it's also a very much more comedic role. I mean, this one it's very very brief, and actually you can see him in one of the short films they put out uh, before it. But his oh god, I, I can't. His role is just heartbreaking. Yeah, and but and we can't talk about so it too much without so well. spoilers. I know. <laughs> so it's like can't say anything. So, but again, the the short amount of time that he's on screen 
resonates mm-hmm. and oh, it's, and again, it's a mark of a great director uh, getting these performances, but also a really, really good script yeah. because it, I mean, everything in here is whip smart. It's on point, and you know, for a movie that's two hours and forty yeah. minutes, I want to say. There's not like an ounce of fat on this thing. I mean, it is. You need every single minute to tell the story, and not one moment that I ever like want to look at my watch and be like, "Oh crap, is it almost over yet?" Or how long is it taking? Uh, the credits roll, and I'm like, yeah. oh, "That's it. It's done." Like it's it it flies along like crazy. It's a oh, so I, I, yeah. So much. I, I, I want to talk <laughs> briefly about not just the cast but the visuals. I'm. Wow! Oh, the cinematography. I mean, I mean Villeneuve is, is has been an amazing visual director before. I've loved, like, I love the work he did in Sicario. I mean, it was kind of a straightforward crime drama, but he made that movie dark, like dark in ways I didn't know that like a movie could look dark. And the same with Prisoners. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. and and just and that's like mentally oppressive and depressing and dark and the film is dark and then you look at Arrival and the way he is using light and dark and the way he's obscuring things and showing things and what he's showing you and what he isn't showing you and it's like all of those were a warm up act to what we got in Blade Runner 2049 I mean it's just fantastic what what he's doing here and some of the some of the visual things that he's doing are just amazing and and fun. Uh, I don't I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a scene where there is a fight in a, a decrepit casino with with a holographic Elvis. Oh yeah, no, that's we can talk about the um, casino. Yeah, that's flickering on and off and like not working the right it's way. It's just so cool because you have this. Yeah, this this hologram of Elvis that isn't working quite right. And it's kind of coming in and out and like the old school Las Vegas dancers with the giant feathers and, and so on. And they're flickering in and out and the music's flickering in and out. And, and this, this fight is happening and it's just so cool. It's yeah, so and, cool. And we, we have to give a huge credit to Roger Deakins, who is the uh, cinematographer on this movie. And yeah. you know, Roger Deakins you know, the, you may not be as familiar with him as, as we are because this is kind of what we do. But I guarantee you, you've seen every single movie he's been part of. I mean, he, every single Coen Brothers movie, he's been a cinematographer. Uh, he's did Skyfall. He did. Um, let me see here. The assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, Jarhead, The Village, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There, A Beautiful Mind, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. So, you've seen his movies, and honestly, what he does with the, the cinematography and the filming of this is it's magical and you know he's been nominated you know, what, like 18, 18 times for an academy award uh he better win this he better yeah this is this has got to be his year i mean he's also gonna be like 69 so <laughs> we don't know how much longer we're gonna have with him but he i mean every single thing he, he touches is, is amazing and this movie's no exception i mean the his use of light and color especially that scene in the casino you talked about again it's, it's something you have to experience you, i can't fully put into words how fantastic the cinematography of this movie is but it's like they play with light and different frequencies the and light and fog and, of light yeah. and everything looks different but it all feels very real and it, it all feels like it's part of a cohesive world but it, things change from from scene to scene and everything it, it, 
I mean, they're painting with with light, and it's it's just beautiful. And it's rare that you get a film that is so visually stunning and also so mind-blowingly brilliant and thinky. And at the same time, it works on a completely different level where if you're just, you know, average Joe on the street and want to go in and see a kind of cool sci-fi movie with, uh, you know, some chases and explosions in it, it works that way too. Because it's got a strong enough narrative that if you're not tuning in to all of the heady sci-fi stuff, you can still enjoy this. So this is a movie that you could uh, you could probably take your your friend to, maybe your mom to. I don't I don't know. Depending on how cool your mom is, I guess. Yeah, my mom wouldn't go because it has swearsies and there's some nudity. But at the same time, yeah. though, the nudity in this it's film pretty it's like, violent. It is violent. Yeah, it's very violent. But the nudity is almost kind of like in Westworld, where it's not really erotic. Um, mm-hmm. It's there's a, a couple scenes, um, and one actually is an as an ad for I think like a strip club or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it almost it's 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 a naked woman talking or supposedly talking to Ryan Gosling's character, and it didn't seem erotic at all. It almost seemed, it was really off putting. It was kind of like, well, it's so desensitized. So, you know, again, and yeah, and and you're in this world that's because the world of Blade Runner is pretty bleak to begin with. But thirty years later, things haven't gotten much. better. They're worse, and you know, there's, I mean, there's a big huge thing happened that uh, called the blackout, which they don't you know they'll go into in the movie, but. You know, it's not. It's it's in one of the short films, so it's not a spoiler to say that it exists. Um, nothing's good. Nothing. I mean, no one's happy. No one's, you know, going out and they're happily ever after. And then even when people are offered things that could potentially fulfill their lives, there's always a catch to it. There's always something behind it that's going to you know tweak it or mess it up or. But yeah, it's, it's it fully 100 percent fits in the Blade Runner universe that was created by the movie you know 35 years ago, and. This I, I will, I'll say it. This is the rare sequel that's better than the original. Yeah, especially for a film as iconic and classic as Blade Runner. I was, I mean, I, I kept saying in Villeneuve I trust because he hasn't made a movie that I have disliked, and I very no, much. And you know, Arrival. I, I think was that your number one movie last year? No, but it was it, it was in my top five somewhere. Because it was my it was my number two. It was like Lalo and was the one that came and swept me away. But uh, so when I heard he was in charge of this, I was a hundred percent on board because I knew he could handle it. And uh, boy, did he ever! I, I I know we're just starting award season, so we haven't really seen much yet. Uh, but it's going to be really really hard for something to top this as my favorite movie of the year. That yeah, I mean it's it's going to be really hard for me as well. I mean, bring it Star Wars. I mean, you've got the theme as far as I'm concerned, to be able to do it. A script by Lawrence Kasdan and, uh, and, and Ryan, Ryan John Johnson directing. directing. <laughs> uh, if, if any movie can do it, and as much love as I have for Star Wars, they might be able to, but it is going to be hard. I mean, this, this is just such a phenomenal film. And one of the things that, that I enjoyed doing in, in my written review for this was because I don't want to talk about the movie, I want to talk about other movies that were giant failures and how this was different than that. And specifically, I want to compare it to Ghost in the Shell and Mother. Mm-hmm. And, and Valerian. Well, you could, yeah, you could do Valerian, too. Because, um, I mean, if you think Valerian, I mean, we, we, we mentioned, you know, uh, influential sci-fi. 
And to be honest, the the comic books that Valerian are based on that that has influenced sci-fi probably just as much, if not more, than Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner did. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think these are the opposites of those, where where Ghost in the Shell felt the need to dumb down and explain what it was doing, and where Mother was pretentious and preening. Blade Runner splits the difference between those two. It doesn't spoon-feed you everything, but it's accessible, and you can you can get out of it what you what you want to if you're willing to challenge the material and challenge yourself with the material or you can just enjoy it on a mostly visceral level and and have a good time uh neither of those movies were able to do that and in terms of nailing their their source material i mean ghost in the shell just wasn't able to really bring that from you know it and and both uh, both Ghost in the Shell and Mother seemed almost designed to peeve audiences who liked the original material by not giving them what, what it was they were expecting or wanting. I'm talking there about uh, using the Bible as source material for, for Mother. Yeah, no, um, that's... You know, yeah, or whatever other the 55,000 metaphors that he tried to cram into that piece of shit. It, so. Exactly. But this, even maybe more than the original Blade Runner seems to understand its own source material and Philip K. Dick. And in many ways, it's a more Blade Runner-y movie than the original Blade Runner, if, if that's if that's even possible. And there's tons of homages mm-hmm. and winks towards that directly that never feel fanservice-y but feel important and like they're tying up loose ends. And and that's what is most satisfying about all of this. Yeah. If, if you can, I would highly recommend going and watching Blade Runner first before you go see this because I, I saw it well, like a couple months ago. I popped it in and I was trying to go watch it again be, uh, the day before I went and saw it, but I just didn't have time. And I know if I would have had that just refresher course that day before, I would have picked up on more things. I mean, I did catch some things because obviously it's a you know iconic movie that I, I love to death. But it would have been nice to have had that refresher so close to it, so I would have noticed a lot of the smaller things. But yes, there's lots of fan service to the original. It may or may not finally answer the question if Deckard's a replicant. I'm not going to tell you that because <laughs> that's part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't. It does leave some questions hanging at the end. Sure. Well, at the same time, wrapping everything up nicely to the sense that when you leave, you feel satisfied. And I love that it's written so well that as, as things are happening to Ryan Gosling's character and he's figuring out, your mind's doing the same thing and going on the same path he is. And then things just get all turned on their head. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Like, But it's never confusing. Like, you, don't, you don't walk out like wondering what happened or wondering why this person said this or why this person didn't do this. Uh which again, it's it's the the mark of a really really great filmmaker that you can still have questions. There's still you know plot points that are dangling. Which hopefully, if they make a Blade Runner twenty seventy nine, <laughs> which I'm hoping for, uh, they'll they'll answer some of those questions. But you're not going to be frustrated be that the story didn't end the way that the story didn't have an end. There's definitely a denouement. Yeah, and, there's and, a lot of and I think happened. they also left a a very wide window open. To, to do a direct sequel and 
you know, I think that's one of the best things you can say about a movie is when even after sitting there for almost three hours, you're like, I want more. I want that next chapter because some stuff goes down and you're like, I really want to see what happens next. And and that's that's just fantastic. So if it if it hasn't been obvious, um, 10 out of 10, this is this is a perfect movie. Oh yeah, easily ten out of ten. This is this is this is a masterpiece. Again, I, I don't know what else is going to be able to come out this year that'll top it. I mean, sure. I definitely. I mean, I love Star Wars no matter what because it's Star Wars. But at the same time, you know, this is this is the culmination of Denny Villeneuve uh, and Roger Deakins, like their life work. You can tell every single thing they've learned, everything they've ever tried to work on, every bit of knowledge they've gleaned over their whole time in Hollywood. Uh, was poured into this. It was definitely a labor of love, and yes, just because it is a big budget movie and does have green screens and special effects and it's sci-fi doesn't mean that it's also not one of the smartest, most well-made movies I've, I've seen yeah. in, I, I'd say, years. I mean, this is this is up there as the best of the best, and I can't wait to go see it again. I kind of want to, I, I kind of want to let it settle for a bit though because it's, it is a lot to take in. But I definitely will be. I, I do want to go see an IMAX because this is the movie that you should see on a big screen like that. Yeah, the last movie that had as much of an impression that made me say, like, wow, that's a movie, uh, was Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, and, that was that would have been the one for me, too. Yeah, I, I think that is, you know, this is equally as compelling as as that. And it's it's just absolutely phenomenal. I, I it, Without telling you more about the movie, um, yeah. you know, it's it's just go see it. Go see it. Go Definitely. see it. So there is a there is a, a fun bit of trivia that I can tie in. So oh. do you know what um, other movie technically exists in the Blade Runner universe? Well, it's another Ridley Scott movie. I do not. What what uh, what other movie does? Alien. Really? Because Peter Wayland is mentioned in one of the movies. Actually, we were talking with our buddy Todd about this last night. He told me, he's, yeah. And one of the movies it mentioned that he used to be an employee for the Tyrell Corporation. And the Tyrell Corporation was the one who originally made the replicants in the first Blade Runner. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so cool. So, well then, so, I mean, I I guess that would mean the entire Alien universe is technically in the Blade Runner universe, but probably, probably not. I mean, maybe, but... Yeah, and honestly, it could have just been a fun little, like, you know, Easter egg for everyone who who wanted to look into it, but it is kind of cool to think that, you know, guess what? This, these two universes are connected, so we'll see where it goes, but, oh, that'd be fun to have aliens versus replicants. Well, I mean, (laughs) we've kind of already have that. I mean, and we have, uh, we have Michael Fassbender's David doing God knows what with his, with his alien pets. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Alien covenant now out on, on DVD and Blu-ray. So go check that out to understand what we're talking about. So, Cool. Well, I mean, that's I mean, that's a half hour of gushing about Blade Runner, but like, in case you can't tell, yeah. it is amazing. Go see this movie. But definitely, even and even if you didn't like the original Blade Runner, because I've had a couple people ask, like, "Hey, I wasn't that fond of it. Do you think I would like this?" It's a different yeah. enough of a movie that I think, even though it's in has some of the same characters and it's in the same world, it's it's a different type of movie, though. Yeah, and and just ultimately satisfying. And come and find us after and and let's and let's talk about this movie uh and and all of the implications of it because 
You've got yeah. to you've got to see it to be able to have those conversations, and it's worth it. All right, then. Well, there you go. That'll take us up for this week. Uh, next week, we've got a couple of movies. We've got Marshall, Happy Death Day, which is like Groundhog's Day but murder mystery, and mm-hmm. uh, The Foreigner. And I'm gonna have to go try to do what I can to see these because I actually have shows next week, so I will not be able to see those in this screen. Uh-huh. So. Right. I'm hopefully seeing all three of them. I'm seeing Marshall tonight, so I'm super excited about that. Yeah, Marshall, they're showing us that uh, Tuesday while I'm working. So have some Chadwick <laughs> that Boseman as Thurgood Marshall. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm that was one of the I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. Happy Death Day. I really don't care, but Happy uh, Death we'll Day, see. interesting. I mean, it's a Friday the Thirteenth movie that they're really, or, or it's a movie that they're releasing on Friday the Thirteenth for you know yeah. for horror fans and. And then uh, the foreigner. I mean, I I want to see Jackie can Jackie Chan kicking butt again. Like let's let's do this. I'm here for that. Yeah. Anything he's in, I'll watch. I love Jackie Chan. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. cool. Well, that'll take it up for next week. But uh, and like I say, if, if the movie's coming out next week, don't sound like you'd be interested in. Just go see Blade Runner a couple times. Trust sure. me. <laughs> you want to go do that. So uh, we'll be back next week with those movies. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly.